0: Victory for Austin College, UT's headed to club championships, and more buzz about the huge UIL decision. That stuff and more on today's TX Water Polo Podcast. An ocean between us, my love. I'm James Smith in Austin, and Joe Linehan is somewhere via Skype. How are you, Joe? I'm
1: good. I'm in North Texas at my office. I'm and I'm waiting for the Astros to win the World Series tonight. I know that's I was going
0: to I fun. was going to I was definitely going to talk to you about that because I don't follow it as closely as you do, but I have to say I've become an Astros fan and so I'm I I was worried after the first two games, but it sounds to me like the momentum is all on their side. But hey, anyway, that's that's for another discussion, I suppose. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah there, you go. there you go. Okay, well, so uh, it only makes sense that people are still buzzing about the UIL decision last week. I mean, how how much more could we have covered it and uh we'll have we'll have a lot more to say about that in just in just a bit because uh the feedback has been pretty amazing uh but first let's talk a little bit about austin college they went away to pennsylvania over the weekend well first we're going to listen to uh mark lawrence in just a in a a few in the next segment we'll talk to him about what happened but they spent the weekend in pennsylvania competing at the cwpa division three eastern championships and they came away with their first win of the season, a 16-7 drubbing of the hosts, Washington and Jefferson. Uh, those those two teams met on Friday, it, and I watched that at uh, Washington and Jefferson's little bathtub of a pool. Um, and that defensive bathtub. struggle, yeah, yes.
1: bathtub meaning, for those who don't know, the, like the bathtub yeah, yeah. means a shallow, deep, six-lane pool with a big old goal at one end and a regular-sized goal at the other end a very small goal for very large human
0: beings (laughs) did you see did you see any of that stream
1: i did not see it but i've coached and i've played in those type of of atmospheres before so
0: i think we all have it's just so amazing even the pool at austin college which is you know it's a a modest pool but at least it's generally speaking all deep so once you head off to one of these little places where you can stand on the bottom the game just changes but anyway that they they didn't play any defense on Friday and uh, Washington Jefferson won that game 23 to 20. Um, Nobody
1: played defense.
0: Nobody. No one played defense. no one played defense. In fact, I'm curious in general about defense altogether, and that's another conversation for another time. Um, so, but anyway, Sunday seemed to be a bit of revenge for that Friday game, or at least it seems that way. And even maybe more impressive is Max Wade, uh, freshman from Flower Mound, was named the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation newcomer of the week for his 18 goals that he scored over the four game weekend and that's the second time he's been honored uh, uh, this season so he's most definitely on the MPSF
1: radar yeah congrats to max congrats to mark uh, and and the Austin College men's team they uh, they yeah they beat Washington and Jefferson and i mean they got after Schneider a little bit i know that they were in they've been in so many games this year that they just could they they were able to finally break through, and, I'm, and, I, and I can't be happier for them.
0: So. Yeah, they the, another close one against Connecticut College. They, they uh, 13-12 final in that one, but and then their opening round uh, game was against Johns Hopkins, which is a pretty high quality team and they lost 23 to 11 so um that that game i suppose you could say was more expected but uh they ended strongly so that's really great so um again we'll talk to mark lawrence in a couple minutes but before we get to that there's a bunch of buzz still about uil this week Uh, i don't know about you but i've gotten a bunch of great feedback on the site we tried to answer a few questions what else have have you been hearing joe
1: uh, I've been getting I've been getting phone calls and emails from coast to coast. I mean, there's been people that have called me from different states that are that are looking to possibly do, do the same thing in their areas. Um, there is a there is a ton of buzz. So this is uh, this is a very big thing f- kind of for the sport of water polo, not just in Texas, but nationwide. Yeah. I mean, this I mean, uh yeah, like, you know, California is the most populous state out there, but Texas is the second most populous state. So it's going to be now we are sanctioned and now we are moving forward. This is, this is, this is going to be a huge thing for Texas, huge thing for Texas moving forward and a huge thing for the, like the sport of water polo as well. So
0: Well, you got uh, interviewed by USA water polo about the thing about the, the entire week. What else? I th- there were a couple other things on USA water polo about, about this decision.
1: Yeah, there has been, um, there's been a, uh, there yeah, there's been a, lots of good stories. I think you, yeah, You put up a pretty good frequently asked question story um, on the TX water pool website. I mean, this is I mean, this is just this is again, it's been kind of, you know, years in the making. A lot of people have a lot of good feedback, instant feedback, and they want lots of decisions made. Yeah. Right away. But here, this is not starting until the fall of twenty twenty one. We have twenty two months to get our act together and make sure that this goes right. Right. A lot of decisions aren't being made just yet, but it's going to be a very it's there's going to be the UIL process and then the teams have to decide if they're going to play or not. But um, I've heard only only very positive. Yes. Are there going to be challenges along the way? Of course. Schedules are going to have to be adjusted. Swim teams and water pool teams are going to have to share uh, facilities, coaches, et cetera. But that's OK. We have time to figure that out.
0: Right. That's, um, that might be the biggest concern I've heard about is what is this going to do the swim season? And I might be the wrong person to ask that question because it's, it's, this is water polo's time finally. So it's, 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 uh, there will be negotiations. I know you want to be diplomatic about it, but it's a, it's a, you know, water polo is a UIL sport. So it's a, it should be treated
1: as such. And that's all I'll say about it. So And, and, and it will be treated as such. And there again, you know, Every school district, even within the school district, schools are going to be, or like every coaches and are going to have different situations with facilities, pool time access, the number of athletes. Everybody's going to have to make their like the decisions that are going to be best for their programs and moving forward. But what waterpolo does provide, it's going to be an opportunity to help grow aquatics. It's gonna be a great preseason before the high school swim season. So I this is this is only going to be a positive, however you look at it. It's just that some people are going to have to take some time to look at it and yeah, uh, and kind of uh, and kind of find what are the going to be the solutions that are going to be good for them.
0: All right, totally agree. Um, did you see that uh, Harvard Westlake and Newport Harbor High School are making noises already about coming to Texas to play? Let's go. Yeah, let's go. They, the, the staying here in Dallas, let's just say, would be what. 10,000 times cheaper than traveling to Newport Harbor. So yeah, well I could see Flower Mound hosting something up north uh, any any year. In fact, I'm rooting for Texas Cup to be uh, now a, a sort of interstate tournament rather than just a Texas one. That would be really well, sweet.
1: I also see, I also see some of the Austin schools maybe using the UT Swim Center. You got the Northside ISD schools down there with their beautiful facility at the Northside ISD beautiful. Swim center. You got like um, there's the there's the UH Campus Recreation Center. There's the there's the Fort Bend ISD pool. There's the Conroe ISD pool down in Houston. There's the Cypress ISD pool where we had Southwest Zone Quals this past summer. Yeah. I mean it is yeah, there are a ton of facilities. People people will come and people will love uh, coming here because we will give them Texas hospitality
0: that's right I don't think they know what they're in for that, that's how much how nice it is here but lots of
1: barbecue right. lots of Tex-Mex
0: so, that's oh, the first thing, first tournament I ever came to in Texas I went into hospitality and I think I'd been accustomed to having uh, you know hospitality was like a pack of saltines and some water and uh, here we got the gigantic spread with uh, barbecue and uh, you know Frito pie and all this stuff it was incredible
1: I bet that was at a Thunder tournament, correct?
0: I'm not going to say. It's between you and me. Um, It's a little secret.
1: But, yes, it was Thunder. They were really good. Okay, but I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Lena Skinner, who was in charge of hospitality for years with Thunder. Yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah, she has a son that's about to graduate at Plowermont High School, and then she has another son that's at Austin College playing. Uh, She was great with hospitality. I think even at one of the state um, high school tournaments – she even had a chocolate fountain.
0: I was just gonna say, wasn't there a chocolate fountain somewhere, right? That's, yes. that's incredible. Exactly. All right, well, that's that's not a huge suck up to uh, to thunder because uh, I would say that many clubs are following suit pretty well. Like they, oh, I yeah. think they, oh yeah. they understand yeah. that they, they up the game, and now it's really worthwhile going to these tournaments. All right.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. Of course, whenever those coaches are stuck in the pool all day long, they they appreciate good hospitality. So whenever they host they're also now uh doing good hospitality as well
0: so absolutely all right we're we're going to take a break and we'll come back with a conversation with austin college head coach
1: mark lawrence in many podcasts this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services not here instead we're asking you to show your support for tx water polo by donating to it Go to txwaterpolo.com donate and help us continue covering the sport
2: we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Oh, well, I'll give you love.
0: That's the great Buck Owens of Sherman, Texas, home of the Austin College Kangaroos, and on the Skype machine is head coach of that varsity program, Mark Lawrence. How are you, Mark? Good, James. Thank you. A little, a little sleepy, maybe, after a pretty busy weekend?
2: Yeah, just, you know, that time of the year. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about it. It's like the women are going at the same time, so you have uh, long days ahead of you, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, any time that we have, a, we have a day where both the men and women's team practice. Uh, essentially, for me, it's a 12-hour day uh, wow. on, on campus. So uh, between running both both workouts, preparing for both workouts, and getting the daily logistical stuff done that needs to get done, uh, they end up being about 12 12 and a half hour days. So oh. uh, they're fun. They're just long. So.
0: Well, this is the reason you get paid what five to seven hundred thousand dollars a year, or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Probably just minus. Minus that same number. Okay. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, it's it, water polo coaching is not a lucrative career. It's a done out of passion. But you know, you get paid. You, you you've uh, you have a steady yeah. you have steady employment. So that's nice. Um, yeah, all right, enough of the, enough of that nonsense. So. Um, I wanted to talk about your weekend. You uh, earned your first win over Washington and Jefferson. You spent a weekend in Pennsylvania. But, um, but, but first, let's, let's go back to what happened a, a week and a half ago, which is the UIL decision to sanction water polo. And you have something of a different perspective. You're an NCAA coach in the state of Texas. And maybe you can explain a little bit what it means to you and your program.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic. Um, I think it's uh, a direct result of all the hard work from the coaches and the athletes and the, and the admin at the youth level. Uh, You know, the individuals, you know, who coach the high school and the youth club level are really, you know, the kind of like the, the unspoken heroes in this process, for this to get done, you know, it's been years of great work by them and that's getting, getting rewarded now moving forward. So I think it's fantastic. I think, it's going to help grow the sport, uh, continue to grow at the youth level, but help really grow at the collegiate level. Um, you know, there are always going to be schools in this situation like Austin College, where there's somebody on campus that has a connection with the sport that's really pushing for it. But I think the majority of the time when a new sport gets added, it's because it's stable at the high school and youth level. It's growing at the, at the high school and youth level. And, uh, you know, we look at so many universities in Texas that could potentially have programs you know, most of them don't have somebody on campus who's already involved in our sport, uh, like Austin College had. So, for those institutions, I think it's great for them to see that you know the the, the sport is growing, the sport is stable, the store the sport is now supported by the UIL. So, those are all positive things to get you know collegiate programs to look look you know warp those direction. So, well, hopefully, it has a great impact on that. So.
0: Yeah, well, I'm wondering if that might make it actually even a little more competitive for you, for recruits, because uh, with the UIL sanction, I would argue that it gives a lot more legitimacy to the sport. And so, you, like you said, you're going to find coaches who are suddenly going to descend on Texas looking for talent. I'm wondering if, that's, if, that's, uh, if I have that right.
2: Yeah, no, um, I think it'll probably help. I think you'll probably have some programs that haven't looked towards Texas in the past look towards Texas. Um, but I think Texas is a state that's always been, you know, recruited fairly well by programs outside of Texas. You know, every year we see a handful of kids that we would love to have that go division one, division two yeah. or Division three programs. Um, so I, I think it'll hopefully, you know, you'll get more, more programs looking this way. And I don't mind that, you know, that competition within the uh, recruiting process. Right. But I think more, more directly, we're kind of showing, the other colleges here in Texas, that, um, that it's a legit high school, uh, platform, you know, that uh, I could build off of. So,
0: yeah, that's a really good point is that the, that in theory at the very least, and maybe there's more to it than just the theory that there are other schools, other colleges and universities in the state of Texas that now look at both your program and this UIL decision and, and are starting to think, yeah, this is a viable sport for us to add.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the, I, I see every time I, I go to a youth event, you know, I see a handful of uh, youth and high school coaches that could be developed and be, be college coaches. Um, we'd get, I think there would be a lot of interest from coaches outside of the state as well to come to Texas to, to create collegiate programs. But, um, you know, I think we all kind of know all of us who are living in Texas and seeing the sport on a regular basis at the youth level. We could have eight, Division three programs, men and women both, and have plenty of athletes in Texas to support those programs. So plenty, yeah. I think this is uh, the first step in a in a great pl- in a great process to kind of uh, show that platform to these schools. So
0: yeah, terrific. Well, all right, let's move on to the more mundane fact of your first win of the season, sixteen seven. It was a bit of a drubbing of Washington and Jefferson in your last game of the weekend on Sunday. Um, you met them earlier in their bathtub, as uh, Joe and I discussed in our earlier segment about uh, that game was 23 to 20 in a defensive struggle um, <laughs> in, in that, in that bathtub. Uh, and look, I mean, you know, Nicola is a acquaintance, a friend of mine, and he's doing a great job there, but boy, that pool is a disaster. Sorry. I just have to say it.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the pool's older. It's a shallow deep pool. Um, we've, We've learned this year a a couple times with uh, Occidental being another game where we we were equal to, if not a stronger team, but we really just struggled in in the shallow end. Um, And I'll just say Friday Friday night is not our game, but uh, (laughs) you have to learn how to be able to compete and play in pools of that that nature. Uh, But when it's all said and done, W&J was their senior night. they do have a handful of really talented players. They have a center from Pennsylvania who I had the pleasure of coaching when he was at the high school level, and he's a phenomenal young player. You know, and then they have Nicola, who's one of the strongest coaches in the yeah. in the in the country, if not the world, for any level. So you know, they definitely uh, came out and played. But when you play in a facility like that, there's a lot of things that are out of your your control. But it's definitely not an excuse or a reason. They just simply beat us, you know. But we we got to play them again on Sunday um in an all deep uh 25 meter course and uh it was a close game for two and a half quarters they were very competitive and i think we were able to wear them out and kind kind of uh separate from them a little bit um and uh it was a really fun game so it was good for our guys to finally see see some uh positive results after playing a very tough schedule this year um so i don't think it was our best game that we've played but uh it was it was it was nice to finally see that uh, result on the scoreboard.
0: Yeah, very and uh, impressive because uh, you did come back from a three goal loss and then and then really put it to them. And it sounds to me like the difference was partially at least that uh, you are in a full course deep pool and you can just swim them up and down the pool. Um, but w- if there was anything else that stood out, I mean, let us know. But uh, more important than that is simply in my mind that now your athletes, especially those who are new freshmen uh, this year. They know that, that they can do it. And um, and I, I suspect that their attitude after the weekend is something different than it was before.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, like I didn't do our guys any favor this year with the schedule I created for the first half of the season. But that was on purpose. You know, we wanted to throw our guys into situations where we're going to expedite their uh, experience level since we are all underclassmen. And last weekend was our first weekend where we had, we had a handful of games against uh, peers that we expected to win. Mm. Um, although we expect to win, you look at coaches like Matt Anderson and Nick and, uh, uh, Nicola, you know, these are two of the best coaches in the entire country. So, you know, their kids are going to be well-taught and be ready to play. And I think it's a very underestimated skill of like, of knowing how to win. You know, you could be in a game and, uh, last weekend showed it where you still have to play and learning how to win is a very challenging task. So, you know, once you're able to get that first one. It feels great. Um, and last week, we can really showed to our guys that, you know, you have to learn how to win. You have to play extremely well. Um, we look at our lost to college, and we got stuck in very lazy and very bad habits because we were too focused on things that we could not control versus uh, just playing to our potential, you know. And uh, that's definitely one of those games you wish you could have back. We had a couple of those out in California as well. But then again, that's part of the process where sometimes that failure is a great opportunity to learn. And we had very detailed, long conversations with our team in between college and WJ on Sunday and WJ on Sunday. Our guys came out and they they just played very well. They focused on the things that they could uh, control and they played very well. And hopefully they saw that difference. So. So
0: that's a that's a bit of coach speak for maybe it was a mental issue and in, in a connection with a Connecticut college game in particular, maybe a little physical, maybe something that they weren't accustomed to before. You don't have to answer. But that that's what the impression I get is that uh, and with your team is that, again, they're young and they are relatively inexperienced compared to, say, players from other states who get twice as many games or something like that. So, yeah, a, a gigantic learning experience altogether.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of, you know, from an outsider's, outsider's perspective, I think as a fan of a sport or as a youth player or youth coach, it's easy to look at a record and say, well, that team's not very good. And it's really far from the truth because every team at this level is good. Um, we look at Connecticut College and Washington Jefferson and, you know, they might not have the record of some teams out out west, but the combination of their of their their two center players, uh, uh, Arturo from Connecticut College. And then uh, Kish from Washington Jefferson, and you combine those with their head coaches, and that those are phenomenal players who could control a game if you let them. So, right. um, so you know that mental aspect of learning how to win and learning how to be athletically mature for a young team uh, can be really challenging, and that's that's what we faced last weekend. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad we we able to take a step forward to finish that weekend off.
0: Yeah, that sounds very gratifying. It's something that you see in almost improvement, maybe even not on your best weekend of the of the season, but you see improvement. You see them picking stuff up. That's got to be that's got to be something pretty gratifying.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: um, so moving on, Max Wade, he had a weekend that uh, caught the attention of the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation, in which you're a member. That includes UCLA, uh, Stanford, Cal. Uh, Penn State Barron and uh, USC yeah forgot forgot USC anyway that he's getting the attention enough from those teams and those coaches out in that area to earn himself a newcomer of the week award for the second time he scored 18 goals over the weekend Um, and he's clearly putting himself but also the program on the map
2: yeah uh, yeah absolutely Uh, he's had a phenomenal weekend Uh, Last weekend you know he got top Top freshman for the CWPA D3 championship uh, weekend also. So he got two, uh, two, two honors for last weekend's play. And Max is doing a f- phenomenal job. Like you know, um, it's not just Max. We have a, we have a handful of other players, including two other freshmen with uh, Michael Colmenares and Evan Cueva, who had just fantastic weekends. Um, so whether Max was creating for himself or taking advantage of other people creating for the uh, collective six in the water. Uh, you know, the ball came to me. He, he did his job. He put the ball away and he's having a f- phenomenal season. So uh, I know we had a couple of games out, out in California versus some some D1 programs that, you know, after the game we had talked and Max was a huge part of, of their scouting report. And, um, you know, he's a great young player and uh, he's only going to get better. So we're really excited to have him and definitely deserves the uh, recognition that he's getting. So but it's definitely a result of a collection of. You know, good team play too.
0: So, of course, yeah, you you want to give the team credit for having succeeded over the weekend in the way they did, but uh, obviously, a, a, you know, that kind of recognition for an individual player, is something we should also pay attention to. Let's uh, uh, move absolutely. on. Yeah, you have so you uh, just a couple more minutes here, but you have uh, the, in my mind maybe the most interesting weekend of the entire season coming up on the eighth and ninth of November when you're finally hosting some games. And so, yeah, I know it's Joe happening. and I spoke earlier about getting as many Texans up there into that, uh, what do you want to call it? It's not an arena. It's a small, it's a small pool facility that is loud. Right. I mean, so, yeah. uh, so Penn state Barron again, another rematch on the eighth followed by Ottawa of Arizona. That's another new program. And then Penn state Barron again on Saturday the ninth. So, uh, a, yeah. a pretty exciting weekend I suspect for the campus.
2: Yeah, it's going to be really great. So Friday night on the 8th is going to be an exhibition game. That's not going to count towards the record. So Joe from Penn State Barron, their head coach, and I spoke about trying to get an exhibition game for our athletes who don't uh, receive as much playing time as the uh, normal travel squad. But it's still going to be a really great environment. We're still going to have a great crowd. Um, I'm pretty, uh, my understanding, our school president will be there with our uh, board of trustees and our and our our uh, pep band. Uh, apparently so that'll be really <laughs> that'll be really fun and then we, we will play ottawa and psb on saturday in a three-team round robin um that are going to be all accountable games and uh we're really excited for it. you know ottawa is a brand new program this year but we've seen them at a couple different places and they are you know very talented um penn state baron is also one of these teams i think their program and their coach don't get the uh respect level of respect that they should get. Um, they have some really fantastic players. They have a senior named Isaac, who's a great, great field player. Um, and they have a goalie, you know, who's arguably will be one of the best goalies that will play, against this entire year, uh, including our West Coast trips. So they're going to be very, very tough games. But uh, they're going to be games that kind of going back to our previous conversation, if we if we play really well, focus on the things that we can control. Uh, hopefully we'll come out with a couple wins. So.
0: I'm, I'm curious about the school's culture, really, um, and whether it's come to embrace water polo as a, sp- as a legitimate sport and, and it's part of the collegiate experience, uh, because it's, it's, come, it's come on so quickly and so intensely. Yeah. It's, it seems almost like they might not be able to catch up with just how cool the sport might be.
2: No, I think our campus has a full grasp of it, to be honest. Um, I, would, I feel very comfortable saying I have an awesome relationship with almost everybody who I work with here um and if i don't it's just simply i don't know them well enough yet um mainly because i'm just awkward and i force friendships on everybody (laughs) on campus uh no but it's um the, the level of support we have from our campus is phenomenal um and i think sometimes it's maybe not as seen as as it's not as visible as it really is just because we don't have as many home games with being so uh isolated geography wise for the time being but um the level of sports fantastic. I would say it's as strong and as uh, recognized as uh, any other school I've ever worked at, you know, big and small. So it's it, it's awesome. The school has embraced us as a sport with having you know forty plus brash, confident, loud, right. book book, book <laughs> high uh, high character kids on campus. And um, you know, I think I very comfortable to say that you know Warpo will be here for a very long time. So, which which feels feels very uh uh, comforting you know right
0: um so you schedule these games obviously on the on-campus pool and you could see entirely why you would do that um did you give any consideration to playing in dallas at maybe a larger facility
2: so for this for this year we have not um this year we added a, a additional trip to our travel and our schedule and just to be completely honest, we weren't sure if that was going to fit into our budget. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's really important to have these games in Texas, but it's also uh, really important to make sure that, you know, uh, I don't go above and beyond what our capabilities are since we do travel so much. But I think it's also really great to have games on campus. You know, yes. um, you know our, our pool is old, but our pool is definitely not bad. You can I mean, I'm six foot seven and I could play without using the bottom um, very effectively. You know. On, on our shallow end so which is not really that shallow it's like five and a half and um, so to have these games on campus is crucial I think it's great for the campus and it's great for the athletes it's great for their families um, and I think you know as we move into the future there'll be some sort of balance between our games that we have in Texas where we'll have some in the Dallas area we'll have some on campus um, and it really will have nothing to do with who we're playing against but just more so Timing of that uh, of that schedule and what our budget for the year looks like, and, sure. You know, a, a combination of a couple of different variables. So.
0: Well, we will uh, help pitch this weekend for you because we want to see as many Texans get up there as possible. In fact, uh, when I was talking with Joe earlier, I I mentioned North Texans and he said, forget that. Everybody from the whole state, you can get in the car and get up there five hours. I know that it's a I mean, that's a very Texan distance, you know, so it's it's acceptable. So hopefully the place is packed that your teams that you play are intimidated and that uh, you come away victorious.
2: Yeah, we're I mean, we're really excited. So we had one of the best environments I've ever seen uh, with noise and feeling uncomfortable at times Uh, (laughs) when we played Brown at home last year. And I know uh, coach Mercado felt that way also where it was just one of the most intimidating, loudest uh, environments that you can imagine. Um, So I think it's going to be a lot of the same this weekend. I would imagine our Friday night game might be a little bit, a little bit classier, I guess is the best way to put it. (laughs) And I think I'm expecting Saturday to be, very loud, very rambunctious, uh, very welcoming, but deafening with, with noise, so we'll see how it all goes.
0: We will, let's let's uh, catch up after the, that weekend of, of competition, but uh, until then, uh, you, we'll let you go. You coach your both your women's and men's teams today and uh, give you a little bit of a break, but thank you very much for your time. That's Austin College coach, Mark Lawrence.
2: Great, thank you very much, James.
0: Thanks, Mark. When we come back, Joe with an announcement and some other stuff before we get out of here.
2: Double team. Deflection. Ball's loose. Yaustra!
1: Ball game! You're listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast.
0: Okay, it's Joe and James wrapping up with a few more items. First of all, the University of Texas. They uh, beat a a couple weekends ago to win the Texas Division Championship. They're headed to Pittsburgh on November 15th and 17th, for, through those dates for the national championships of club teams, that's uh, sponsored by the CWPA. Um, they won that at Rice University a couple weekends ago, uh, and actually avenged an earlier season loss that we talked a lot about uh, on this podcast. That they it was a it was a 6-5 loss, and they won 7-3. It was streamed. And um, actually, one of the cool things about it was I was at the Shark Fest down at Cy Fair. And there are a lot of people who are sort of commuting back and forth to see both of those games. So it was very cool.
1: Yeah, it was great to have those two tournaments at the same time in in the Houston area. Got, you got the CBPA champs at Rice and then you got the Shark Fest age group tournament for 18 under all the way down to 12 and under up in northwest Houston. I mean, there's just uh, there's just more and more water polo being played. It's awesome.
0: Yep, UT UT beat Rice in their semifinal, twelve to two, and Rice had been touted as a, an improved team, which I think they are, but I think they just they uh, they didn't peak at the right time for that game. So UT took on un, the undefeated Aggies and took them down, and they are headed to Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that a ton more in the next couple weeks uh, as they get uh, as they get ready to go. We'll try to get somebody from the UT team on on the podcast. Um, in the meantime, there's a bunch of other stuff coming up uh, in the state of Texas, including the Texas State Games. Is that right?
1: Yeah. The uh, Last week, we haven't really made a formal announcement about this, but we do have an agreement in place with the city of Corpus Christi and the Texas Amateur Ath- Athletic uh, Federation, also known as TAF, where water polo is going to be part of the TAF Games of Texas uh, beginning in 2020. to be the last weekend of July in Corpus. Um, we're going to have the 1400, 1200, um, yeah, just athletes can be focused on that. This is a lot of municipalities that get together, um, in a variety of different sports from, you know, archery to, you got fencing to, um, softball and swimming and track and field. It's like a little mini, uh, uh, Texas Olympics. And they have this across the country. There's empire state games in New York. There's the sunshine state games down in Florida. So. Water is going to be officially part of this kind of moving forward so i'm I'm excited about that the municipalities are, are going to be working with the growing high school teams because there's going to be a limited of uh, like uh, amount of pool time especially for the smaller areas where that' where they they're going to be way, able to work together to just and, and not just grow waterfall but grow aquatics uh, across the state so I'm very much kind of kind of looking forward to see how this all kind of works together.
0: It's a bit of a showcase for the sport because if it's anything like, you know, Junior Olympics prior to becoming a USA water polo thing was was very similar. It was – you'd show up someplace – I think we talked about it before. I went to – uh, Iowa City, Iowa, and there you have synchronized swimming and basketball and all these other sports, and it's really, it's, a, it's very memorable. So this is something for them, the 14 and unders, to look forward to. But
1: yeah, it's not going to be quite the same level as JOS, but nah. but we're we're going to make it as special as possible for all the athletes and teams
0: involved. So. Right, exactly. All right, um, what Details else is, coming uh, soon? Oh, good. See, that's a breaking news here on the TX Water Polo Podcast.
1: Um, and then um, I guess this upcoming weekend is the Dallas Fall Invite that, uh, up in North Texas over in South Lake and Keller. The like the following weekend is going to be a very busy weekend of water polo. You have the Austin College home games against Penn State Barron and Ottawa, which is a team from Phoenix. Um, so they're playing on Friday and Saturday on, on, on November 8th and 9th at Austin College. Um, then you also have the Dallas Fall Masters Invite, which is going to be men's and women's um open division that's be hosted by pegasus at smu natatorium so there's a lot of stuff in north texas but the biggest thing is going to be the usa water polo champions cup which is which is the national championship for 14 under and 8th grade under also next weekend which is november 8th 9th and 10th um it's going to be at the university of houston campus recreation center so there'll be teams from around the country that are coming there we have a lot of a lot of water polo in a very short amount of time it's going to be great
0: no kidding. Um, you know that Dallas Fall Invite thing that got so it has become so popular that it they had to close registrations early. I don't. I don't. We talked about how many teams there are in the state of Texas and how many players there are, but we're starting to see it. It is impacting these tournaments.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to like the Dallas Fall Invite was originally a masters only event with I didn't one know that. with yeah with one division, and then back in 2009 we added some age group divisions. Then we, then, then we added a women's division. Then we added more age group divisions. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then in 2016, uh, there were four different courses. That's, yeah, that's whenever the group that was organizing it first went to Keller. And it, it used to be only in Southlake. So it went from one course to two courses in South Lake. Then we had to figure out how to do three courses in South Lake, And then they had to figure out kind of how to keep the three courses in South Lake, but also add two courses in Keller. So there were five courses going on at, at one time. So then starting in 2018, the Masters divisions broke off and Pegasus, uh, another club up in North Texas, decided to host the Dallas Fall Masters in Bright, which were just the open divisions on a separate weekend um, to just alleviate a little bit of the pressure on the one club and the number of pools and then just kind of spread the wealth as, as far as the hosting duties are concerned. But yeah, I mean, it is and now the Dallas Fall invite by itself with just age group divisions is at the breaking point. And now there's talk about even kind of breaking off the 14s and 12s and doing that the same weekend with another team. because there's just so many teams that, yeah, yeah, that want to play. And this is only a very big positive. So I'm, it's, it, and it's only going to go for, it's only going to get better from there. All right, well. These, these are, these are good challenges.
0: Uh, yeah, they're good challenges, but my team doesn't get to play there, so it's a very personal thing that this got impacted so so quickly and that we were we didn't have time to to sign up for it. That's all I'm saying.
1: I understand. I understand. All
0: right. All right. So the I wanted to go back Austin College. These these are the only two home games of the entire season. <laughs> so if you're in North Dallas or if you're in North Texas, that's a, what an hour drive to Sherman.
1: I hey if hey if you're in Austin or yeah or Houston. Drive up and make it a weekend. I mean, there's gonna be games on Friday night, um, with Penn State Barron versus Austin College. And then there's gonna be Penn State Barron versus Ottawa and Penn State Barron versus uh um and uh Austin College and also in uh, Ottawa versus Austin College. Right. So there'll be four collegiate games at Austin College on 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 Friday, Saturday, uh November eighth and ninth. So
0: it's the only NCAA water polo in the state of Texas this uh, this calendar year, so you should go. And based on what happened last year for their couple games that they played, I don't know if you've seen that pool, but indoor pool, obviously, but small, and so the 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 noise reverberates. I heard that they had over 500 fans last year, oh. and it was noisy.
1: I was at the game. I was yeah. doing the online commentary for their like like the live streaming. So yes, it was very loud. I could barely hear the whistles. It's a great atmosphere to go watch water polo games.
0: Hey, uh, what do we know about the teams coming from out of the state for Champions Cup? Is there uh, any any names that we might know? Yeah, I
1: think there's San Diego Shores and Santa Barbara 805 and SoCal, so all like and then Greenwich. Um, that's just off the top of my head. So right. all all the major clubs for, from around the country are going to be coming to Houston.
0: Once again, a chance for you to go watch some of the uh, best clubs in the country play in the state of Texas. It's a we're fortunate to have it. So,
1: and there are also two. There are two boys teams and two girls teams in that tournament from Texas. Boys teams are are the Southside Batters and the Thunder Water Polo Group, and then the girls side. Of, you know, Thunder also has a girls team, and then there's a Lone Star team, which is kind of a collection of girls from all the other clubs that didn't have enough to enter their own team. Yes,
0: super fun. Good chance for them. All right. I think that's enough, right? That's another jam-packed show. So my thanks to Mark Lawrence of Austin College for joining us. And of course, my thanks to you, Joe.
1: Yeah, thanks, James. It's been fun. And
0: thank you to all of our donors, including the Benners family and Tanya, who both gifted us uh, pretty generously last week. It's been uh, the... What we've been receiving has been really impressive, and I'm very, uh, very pleased and, and uh, grateful for it. And finally, of course, go to TXWaterPolo.com to listen to the podcast, to find us on social media, to leave comments and all that stuff. And thanks to you. Huge thanks to you for listening and for telling a friend about the TX Waterpolo podcast. Until next week, so long from Austin. Yeah.